Well, hi everyone. Welcome to Case for Wellness podcast presented by the Health and Wellness Council. I am your guest host, Aaliyah Lawson, and today's topic is going to be about the Black student experience at Case. So this week we'll be focusing on that with the national and campus-wide conversations about Black lives, and we're here to just give a voice to our fellow students about this issue. So I'm going to go through and introduce our panelists today. We have Layla Michelle. Hi. <laughs> we have Corey King. Hi, everyone. And we have Dr. Anita Howard. Excited to be here. All right. Well, we can go a little bit more in depth about us. So I think I, I'll go first since I'm already talking. Um, my name's Aaliyah Lawson. Like I said, um, I am a fourth year undergraduate student. I'm from Cleveland. I'm studying psychology and political science on a pre-law track. And I am currently the co-chair for the Racial Justice Committee under the For a Better Crew task force that was spearheaded by Vice President Lou Stark and Vice President Robert Solomon. And that's me. Layla, you wanna go ahead? Yeah, so I'm Layla Michelle. Um, I'm a first year, uh, second year undergrad student. I'm studying cognitive science and international relations. Um, I'm the vice chair of administration for the Black Student Union, and I also swim on the varsity women's swim team at Case. Okay. Corey, you're up. Yeah, uh, my name is Corey King. I am a senior studying mechanical engineering. I'm currently the treasurer for Nesby, also a track athlete here at Case on the varsity team. Um, fun fact, I'm from Louisiana, and I'm also well, recently won um, homecoming royalty, so that's pretty cool. And then, yeah, I highly encourage everyone to check out Nesby. It's a great organization. <laughs> and go ahead, Dr. Howard. Yes, I am an adjunct professor in Weatherhead School of Management. I'm in the Organizational Behavior Department. I've been at Case for, I guess now, clocking actually around 20 years. I did my doctorate here and I think that the most passionate reason I'm here today is I'm a child of the 60s, was a college student and activist at that time and really deeply believe in student voices and understand the extent to which students and student leaders have always played a pivotal role in social change. So I'm here to listen, to learn and support. Thank you. We appreciate all you guys coming out today. And with that, I think we can get started. So the first topic that we can talk about is just getting to know, letting the listeners get to know us a little better. So I want to ask everyone, what was your experience? What, was you, what were you thinking your experience would be like here at Case Western Reserve? And what has it actually been like being here for however long we've all been here? <laughs> <laughs> it varies. Anyone want to start? I guess I can go. Um, coming here, my first experience of like case uh, was when I came to visit for my football. Um, it was like a football visit. It was, I met like a whole bunch of people on the team and it pretty much laid the groundwork for what I thought it was going to be like. Um, I met every single person. I met a good bit of the team, a lot of the seniors, and they were majority white. And there was like maybe two or three black kids that I met that night. And it was 
interesting because like I was obviously I, I was closer with the, the black kids and you know it kind of set this the the stage for the rest of my time here at Case because like I realized that, like you know from the point that I stepped on campus I realized that like these are the people that are going to continue to have my back about certain things and then like be able to understand me better than maybe my other teammates and uh, I mean I just kind of, they kind of like laid the groundwork and they were just like, yeah, man, it's going to be very different, <laughs> but we got each other. And it, it's been going like that for a very long time. So I kind of like pay it forward and do the same things for the generation behind me. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I can go next. So I came, the first time I came to Case was for my scholarship interview. And the same time that I did it, I also did an overnight with the swim team. Um, so I was interviewing for a full tuition scholarship and I stayed with this girl on the swim team and she was a first year. Um, when I met the swim team, so I'm from Maryland. I live about 10 minutes outside of DC and this area in general is very, very diverse. Um, which I was area? the only, I live in Prince George's County, which right. is one of the wealthiest African American counties in the country, I believe. So like there's a lot of black people and not only are there a lot of black people, but there's a lot of black people who are just affluent. So I'm just used to seeing us in a much different light than when I came to Cleveland. Um, and swimming around here is also extremely diverse. Um, I know that only 1% of USA swimming swimmers are black, but it just doesn't look like that around here. And then I also sw started swimming for Haiti's national team. So a lot of the swimmies were in the Caribbean, which was just like a whole lot of more fast black people. So I knew swimming was white, but I didn't really know like how white swimming was because I never had to experience it. I experienced it once. Um, we went like Eastern Maryland and that was an awful experience. Um, lots of racism, really bad. We didn't stay there for long. Um, so when I came, I was kind of, I was a bit uncomfortable. I was the only black person on the swim team. I had never been the only black person in a room at all before in my life in general, especially not on a pool deck where I had been extremely comfortable for like the past 14 years. So I kind of walked in there and I was a little, I was a little, uncomfortable but everyone was so nice everyone was extremely kind um i could just see the bond that the team had and i was also just already attracted to case because of like the academic opportunities that they offered and um yeah but then i got the scholarship so i was like i'm not paying tuition i'm definitely coming Yay. so um yeah so i came and i will say i had the biggest culture shock of my life um when i did my overnight i like mostly i went to a bsu event so I saw the black people and you know how Case does with the brochures. It's lots of different looking people and all the pictures. And I'm like, this place is so diverse. What on earth? And then I came and I was like, what the heck is going on? Um, I had just like just where I live and where I come from versus like where, like how Case is. It was just so different. I was having a really, really hard time in the beginning because um, I had some personal things going on, but just also like the environment that I was in was just so different. And it wasn't that anyone was mean in particular. It was just that like, I was just extremely uncomfortable. Um, I had to walk onto a pool deck every day doing the thing that I love, but feeling just extremely uncomfortable. Not that anyone was making me. Well, yeah, because it was all these white people and I was the only black person. Um, but everyone was so nice. It was really just me. I had to take some time. It took me some time to warm up to them. Um, and when I thought of the college experience, I definitely didn't think of like what I was getting at Case. Um, the social scene was very different than what I expected. I should have probably known that from my overnight. Um, so like there was the social scene, like already being kind of like, you know, not as 
there's not a lot of a social scene. Um, and then on top of that, there's just not a lot of a social scene like for black people. So I came expecting to like party and make friends. And like wherever I was, it was just kind of like this apprehension to my, up to my presence. Um, so it was just really, it was, I found some people and we ended up having a good time, but I will say like what I thought it was going to be versus what it actually was, was very, very different. When I saw college, it definitely wasn't what I thought it would look like. It's not bad. Um, I will continue to do out my four years here, but it, I will say it definitely was not what I expected it to be. Yeah, I think I, I really agree with that because, well, for me, I'm from Cleveland. It's actually really interesting because I don't think I realized that like Case Western was a university or a school or anything until I got into high school and I live like 15 minutes away from campus. Like I just never realized it. And that's, that's really telling about like how the community is in Cleveland where it's like pretty segregated and things like that. There's a lot of things going on outside of that, but I digress. <laughs> Anyways, I, I went to a predominantly black high school. I went to Cleveland Heights High. Um, I was surrounded by black people my entire life. Um, I started taking this, our school went through some changes. And so I started taking more AP classes my last two years of high school. And that's where I like interacted with the most white people I had ever had until I got to case. And so that was really interesting. And I was like, okay, well, I'm getting used to this, but this is pretty different. And this is pretty weird. And um, I got into case and I got into this program called the Emerging Scholars Program. And so like, I, I was very apprehensive about college in general not because it was case but it was the fact that um it was just a whole new level i was like everyone here is smart now i can't just be slacking and doing whatever i do and still getting all the good grades that i got and so that program it was a six-week program the summer before freshman year started for me and um the majority of the students it was 12 students majority of us were black in the program that year and those were like my first friends here on campus and I'm still friends with all of them today. And I really appreciate that experience because I think it kind of, um, what is it, blocked the shock value coming onto campus. And it's like, I don't know anyone and I really don't know anyone that's black because I realized, especially when I got into like my dorms, I was like one of very few black people on my floor and in the building in general. And that was very different because once again, I had never really been around white people that often. And I love my sweet mates. I love my floor mates. I'm still friends with them today. It was really cool. And I appreciated learning about their cultures because I, like I said, I had never experienced it before. So that was really a learning experience for me. But just moving forward, I don't really know what I thought about college. I didn't think it would be a look kind of as isolating as it is. I don't know if that's just my personality really, where I, I have a hard time reaching out to different people because of who knows what, but um, I, I, find to, I find myself surrounding myself with black people all the time. And I really love the people that I found. And I think our family is great. It's just interesting, especially this past summer, seeing how much people really just don't know about us. Like, this is all I know about case and then hearing like people didn't know this and this and that or this was going on or this was even a group or things like that was really interesting to me and I was like wow we really are just chilling at four percent by ourselves like it's really interesting to see that and so it's been 
it's been wild. It's been a wild couple months. How about you, Dr. Howard? So I really connect to things that all of you were saying, and I'll come in with where I came in 20 years ago as a graduate student. Now I'm coming out of a long and deep history again with, with, with social change, activism, universities, the pipeline for people of color, you know, from the all over the country, two things, but I'm coming to school to get back in and, and, and study, right? And so when I came, I didn't have the expectation that um, case would be unlike any other university if, so far as having challenges in dealing with supporting, connecting to the lived experience of myself and others who are black and who were a minority and all of that. But I will confess that I've experienced the same kind of shock. I was coming from uh, Boston. Um, my cohort members, there were uh, about seven of us, I think, um, or eight of us in my PhD cohort. They got sick of hearing me whining about how different it was, how shocking and surprising it was to me that um, people were not as actively interested and engaged, were coming together in the way that, although everybody was warm, everybody was nice, everybody was welcoming, but I was looking for the kind of conversations about race, justice, and other kinds of things that were not happening in a way that was bringing people across all the different levels of the university to that discussion the way uh, I was used to. And then when I began as a you know, in pretty much very early on in my um, first year and a half to start doing teaching as a graduate student, I was also surprised at the extent <laughs> to which the experience you all are talking about was going on. And there was no place I could find the kind of intense and, and coherent way that we could even come together as black folks broadly. Now, there are always people interested in things. You find your kindred spirits and all that. But there was uh, just that shock of the isolation of the experience. And having been in Cleveland um, from the time I was about two to five or six, my family was here. My, both my brothers were born here. We moved away and came back and, and have long been connected to the Black community in Cleveland. Um, I know as well that Cleveland Black folks, and I'm just speaking from my experience, have an uh, understanding that case may or not, may, may not be the place that's really connecting to them over history and over time, may not be uh, walk and talk when it does, and it's changed profoundly from the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s to really trying to reach out. But where is that deeper, systemic, and really impassioned uh, energy to bring this conversation forward and to make it happen, you know, where people can say what they really feel, think, and are experiencing? I was, I was feeling that isolation. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think based on that, because like I said, I'm from Cleveland too, I, I, really, I really feel that enthusiasm. Well, like, no, I, I really feel the need for that enthusiasm when it comes to finding and bringing Black students on campus and making sure that they feel comfortable on campus. Because I think there's been a lot of talk about, like, we're stuck at this 4%, 5% Black population on campus for, like, several years now, at least as long as I've been here, and I'm a fourth year. And um, it's just, I'm thinking, it's like, you're in Cleveland. Like we are surrounded by black people. Like we're on, we're bordered by Cleveland Heights, Cleveland, East Cleveland, like black people everywhere really. And so I would just keep 
wondering, I'm like, why, what, what's not happening? What's not clicking? And then I look back on my own experience and it's like, I'm not sure if they did. I'm sure like, I've read things that said they do um, reach out to my school, my Cleveland Heights high school for recruiting. I've known students. It was a student a year above me and a student two years above me are the most recent graduates from my high school that I know that went to case. And I think I, I'm not sure, but I feel like I'm the last person since four years ago that's come from my high school. And I feel like when I was in my senior year, I don't really remember case enthusiastically coming to my school, coming to our college fairs and things like that. I don't remember, I was getting a ton of emails from a whole bunch of different schools since like sophomore year, but I don't really remember seeing anything about case until I seek them out on the um, college applications and things like that when they were starting to respond to my actual application. And so I, um, during my experience here too, I was a peer tutor at um, Mary Bethune School, which is just down East 115th, 15 minute walk away. And it's a um, K through eight school. And I was working with first graders for the most part. And um, they had that same idea, like I said earlier, that they didn't really know case was a thing and that it was so close to them. And this was a uh, practically all black school. And it was just really disheartening to see because like I wanted to be a representative to the kids too. That was like, you can go to college and you can do this and you can go to a college like this that's supposed to be extra prestigious and things like that. And there were times where they just were like, well, no, no, I can't. <laughs> and I was like, no, yes, you can. And these are like children and it's, it's really it was really hard to see and I feel like they're like there are definitely programs but I feel like um they need to be built upon because there are students around here that are so talented and so smart and if given the opportunity that they need to find an education like this and to succeed they would do just fine it's just about finding the opportunities and so I think that's something that's been like eating at me about the yeah. universities that we have all these resources and i i agree with you said dr howard that like the cleveland community kind of feels iffy about case western reserve in general because of um people like expanding land and then having all these restrictions and all kinds of things and so gentrifying is what they're doing yeah yeah so, <laughs> it's just been like a continuous process and um, as a part of my um, racial justice committee, one of the things we hope to move forward on is to just rebuilding that um, relationship with the community. Because as a black student, I don't want to, I don't want black people around here to feel excluded for something that I call home, even if it's not like the perfect place or things like that. But like, I, I, I really don't feel right with people around here not feeling welcome on my campus. Right. And this yeah. is their Yeah, we were talking about that. Somebody brought that up. So Corey would know. So we have a there's like a new like emerging organization that's the Black Student Athletes at Case. Um we just started we kind of started talking and someone mentioned how I think it was Trey Armstrong, how he had a friend who was like an extremely talented soccer player around here, like so good, getting recruited left and right. And like he had heard nothing about Case Western. 
Um, mm -hmm. And we literally have 27 black student athletes on this campus. Um, 27 out of, yeah, yeah. out of all of the sports. Yeah, it's not a lot. Oh my God. <laughs> so he was just saying like he had, like he just could not even understand, like begin to fathom how a guy this talented who literally lives 15 minutes away from this university had heard radio silence from this school. Um, and he was doing great academically and he was just extremely talented athletically as well. So that was just a really big thing and kind of like backtracking to what you said, Aaliyah, about like um, when you were living here and moving in, I actually made sure that I had a black roommate. Um, I was just like, if I'm going to be around all these white people all of the time, I like I I'm entitled the right to a space like where I go back at the end of the day to feel good in that space. So I like sought out a black girl roommate and um, she became like literally my best friend. Um, yeah, so that was just, that was really, really important to me. But I will say, like, we've even, I've even pitched to the swim team an idea of doing, because, you know, during this entire summer, they've been all like, Layla, we respect you and we stand in solidarity with you. And I'm like, all right, this is really nice. But like, if y'all are really about it, we need to be doing anti-racist work. Like, we need to be actively bettering the lives of some Black people. Because you can say all you want, but at the end of the day, like, people's lives are still like not that good <laughs> are still not that great so what are you doing besides talking to better the lives of black people um so what i said is that we should be doing every sports team has to do some type of community service so and we usually just go and like pick up trash and like clean and stuff which is great but i was like we have this amazing facility we're surrounded by this amazing um community only one percent of usa swimming swimmers are black Black children are five times more likely to drown than white, than white children um, between the ages of one and five. So I was like, why are we not teaching swim lessons to these kids um, in the East Cleveland community? But then like when I thought about it, we started talking about it, there is just such an apprehension to Case Western Reserve University. So I didn't know how they would feel about like us going in their community, like if we wanted to use one of their, like a YMCA there, or if we wanted to bring them onto our campus, but there's just such an apprehension in general and just kind of every, people don't know. Like, they're like, I don't, I don't know. All we know about Case is that it's this big white school that he's gentrifying the places that I live. Um, so it's like, even when we want to do outreach, like just the relationship that we have with the community already is so like, I don't know if it's damaged because I don't know much about Cleveland in general as I'm not from there. Um, but I just knew that like, they're not really feeling us. <laughs> They're not. There's one point that you just said that I think is really interesting, especially because we all know like this summer was like mm. a awakening for mm. some people <laughs> in our country over the um, murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey. And so it's been an eruption of protests and things like that. And I just want to see how you guys um, felt, especially in regards to the university of how they reached out to you after that. Because I personally, like I was the Black Student Union president last year and with coronavirus, our um, transition had gotten muddled. And so I was still handling a lot of things and helping my um, successor handle some things. But as soon as like that whole issue erupted, I felt like it was it was almost jarring how many different groups and people and administrators were reaching out to us like, oh my god, what do we do? What do we do? Like, <laughs> I'm the second. I, I got so many emails from people like we just want to talk with the black student in, and then the first thing we always say is like, okay, about what? 
Do you have right. a man? What are you bringing to us? Because we're not going to sit here and spell everything out to you. Like we just, we, every single thing we get about reaching out, we're like, okay, so what do you want to do? Like we sit down and we look at them and we're like, okay, so what's your plan? Like, what do you want to learn about? What do you want to, have you educated yourself or are you expecting us to sit down here and talk to you? And it's a lot of, oh, uh, well, we'll get back to you when we come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll be here waiting um, when you all are ready and you have a plan because we're not about to sit here and teach you all the things that you could literally go to the library and look up yourself. Go on Google and ask the questions that you're about to ask us. Google is free. <laughs> right. My time is not. Uh, yeah, I, I remember like, you know, during the summer, I got like a lot of emails and everything. And then I remember being a part of this call for the football team. And like the football team is predominantly white. And it doesn't happen very often because like when you think about football, you think like a whole bunch of athletic black men are playing. And then here I come to case and it's like, oh, it's very different. But like we had a whole conversation about like signing this thing that basically said, you know, we respect everyone's culture and, you know, how they look and everything. And I was like, you can sign this paper, but then again, what are we doing about it aside from this paper? Like, you can sign this paper today and then forget about it tomorrow. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. I sign stuff all the time. <laughs> I, I, write, I write the data at the top of the page every day. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to go back to that same day and be like, remember exactly what I put down. So, like, that being said, like, I, I feel like this was just, uh, like, some of the stuff seemed like it was for show. Um, but, like, because like yeah case wanted to be involved at that point in time because that was like the cool thing to do right and which is it was just really sad to say but like i'm looking today and it's like how much have we actually advanced as you know a population here at case uh, like how many people are actively still having those conversations uh on campus like I, there's a lot of people i would say that like you know took to it very well uh, especially some of my teammates on the football team and track team are like dang like I, I knew like stuff like this was happening and like I just didn't want to be that one black guy that everybody knew and it was like okay I can tell you everything that has happened to me I'm not about to black explain all day <laughs> like, like it's just it's just uh, a lot to to do for every for hundreds of kids that I know on campus you know so it's too much like you can just look this up yourself um, and then you can act on it it's, it's really just not being a bad person <laughs> at, at the end of the day <laughs> so I, I don't know I just I find it hard to to be in a position to have to um give people action plans on what i think uh we should do uh as a university it's it's just a lot to deal with i mean because you know like everybody else i gotta deal with school and junk too and you know that's supposed to be extremely stressful so i don't know it's just hard to pick everyone else's battles when you're trying to fight your own yeah. <laughs> what do you think about this dr howard because we know that the the black faculty is an even smaller percentage than it is for the black student population. So at a personal level, I come back around to whatever the systemics are that make it harder for us to come together. One of the things that I personally uh, find myself agonizing about is that I don't, you know, I'm meeting you guys today and through what's happening this year, but through my whole constant period here, I meet people in classes where I'm siloed, right? But there's no 
place I can come together and be organically connected to my community. And that's on me to do something about that. I got to step up more, taking that personal responsibility start place for everybody in the mix that we're talking about. So at a personal level, you know, there is how do we as black people on campus who are faculty, administrators or whatever, really uh, take the time and energy to figure out how to move through the systems that are structuring and silent lowing us in a way that we're not here and doing this together. I'm going to also come at it black splaining. been going on since forever, okay? <laughs> um, papers written about it. We can study it to death. We can talk about it in these moments, but your, your role and responsibility as a system deploys you when anything comes up because something is upsetting, whatever the trigger is, where we find ourselves asking our students to teach, black explain, do whatever, all right, has been happening since forever, okay, in these especially majority white, historically white uh, university systems. There needs to be a real shift in understanding race in America, in the world, whites of color too, okay? They don't know because they don't try to learn, they meaning the, the general population at a level of systemic, we don't get taught the history and the black experience isn't positioned in our collective history in any kind of way where people are equipped, right, to engage if we are going to be uh, noticing in this present moment of reckoning that there's a, a, net, a new and next time, there's some patterns that have been here since forever, systemic, and that's why you all are talking about systemic, and I think we gotta go to systemic, but how are we gonna personally and within the you know, context of all of our memberships and, and lived experience gonna do something about it where we're taking that personal responsibility ourselves to first step up and learn. So this whole thing about allyship is complicated right, in the sense of what the other should do who is not a person of color. They need to be taking personal responsibility for the learning. I don't know. Let me get out here and do some studying and learning and then come back to uh, those of us who are people of color to learn more about what that is experience is, not treating the individual or the group as the representative of the experience, but as someone who is experiencing it in their own way and has something to contribute and we're a broad and deep and rich diaspora, okay. So how do we get into those new ways of engaging? We need to start with connecting to and bringing your voices saying this stuff about your experience, our experience, looking at it historically, but asking where are we headed from here? We're not playing those traditional black splaining kind of roles and are really asking ourselves and everybody else to rethink how do we engage in this in this culture moving forward we're very soon and and fast happening white folks are no longer going to be the majority and dominant experience this is a big shift right mm -hmm. and it's new for all of us and it's a steep learning curve another thing i'll just say and then throw it back to what you all are thinking i spent many years um working in various historically white university context, predominantly at, at Harvard, and then uh, went to Tufts, where I became the director of the African American Center there. One of the things that was most important to me was to create that community within the Black community where we protected ourselves, right, for understanding our experience, 
honoring that experience, living out of that experience, dealing with whatever's coming at us in that experience, understanding we were all experiencing in unique individual ways, and then some things were, were very collective and unchanging and patterned and structured and systemic, like black explaining. okay? And then how do we empower ourselves to do that, quite independent of whether the system is catching up, keeping up, or even interested, right? Mm -hmm. um, right. One of the things that uh, are interested for the right and authentic real reason around grappling with race historically as it's occurred and how it's continuing in ways we need to change. Uh, so one of the things I find myself doing at CASE is moving sort of in and out of uh, not quite knowing how this system can begin to structure itself anew, right? Mm -hmm. In ways that give students an opportunity to come together as a community, right? And have that in structural way supported. So you're not trying to invent it in a swim team or you know, here, there, and the other place, which is all good and very important to do. But we keep reinventing the wheel and then four years later, we graduate out and move on, right? And so what I kind of watch over, if we're just talking about case, my 20 years here, people like yourselves leading and staying in there, hanging in there, spending your time, spreading yourselves thin, trying to you know, just navigate your own personal journeys, tackling these things, leading these things, but there is no coherent, ongoing, deep structural support for that getting passed down and held as a broad community and then within that subgroups with, you know, within the community. And um, that's something that, I'm thinking about, you know, how might that be done? I don't know that this place would would would, would support uh, uh, having that kind of structure that we had at Tufts. Reason that was there at Tufts was that Tufts, interestingly, had special interest houses. They had a whole set of house arts special interests, and and, and people lived there residentially and held a center space and place that was literally there for that interest. When uh, black folks you know, at, 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 at Tufts really just revolted, you know, and insisted that they have their own uh, center. That happened. And out of that context, the center has, is still there. It's been there for years. The leadership in any moment reinvents how they see in that moment the thing should be working and the community is moving. But the point I guess I'm making is the structure of understanding that there were special interests that needed that support, needed a space to live and grow and support everybody, invite everybody back, was an idea that that university system had, which then had to be seized by Black students and African students, the diaspora, to make it happen that ours was not going to be a marginalized, disinvested in special interest, but that we were going to be centrally uh, having our black experience a part of the, 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 the context of the university as it reflected in across knowledge, world, scholarship. We've been here all along, okay? My, my, and I'm running on, my question to you all is, you know, it's not about doing it the way it was done before or in some other place or in the civil rights movement back in history. It's how do we come at this freshly now, which is mm. where your experience as university students here who are connected to all that complexity, we need to listen in and support and collectively work together to figure out how both to build that for the community and then build that within the context of the broader 
other communities here at CASE so that they too are learning and growing and understanding not just how to be allies, but how to really understand this is an experience as part of the American story, the world story. And we need to organize around that very differently than we traditionally do. Wow. Yeah, I think that's a really, that's, ooh, that's that a lot. Beautiful. I will say <laughs> that one point that you did um, make kind of ties back to what Aaliyah originally asked about, like, the response this summer, but kind of, like, people just really not being able to understand that, like, people, we have our own individual experiences, and then there are structural pattern-like things that are going on, but, like, I'm literally just a college student just trying to make it and get my grades and get my A's at the end of the day. Yeah. So when this all kind of broke out and started happening, I was, I really did not know how, like, the how the swim team was taking it or how other because they were really the only white people that i was talking to on campus if it wasn't them it was everybody else because from the jump as soon as i walked on the campus like corey people in your class people in your class Aaliyah, were like coming to me and just being so welcoming and so nice and like i automatically felt so safe i was just so happy that yeah, since there's, there are there are very few of us but like the way that they just came and scooped up the freshmen so quickly um, just made me feel, it was just amazing. It was really nice. I didn't pay for any of my textbooks. Everything was either in that Google Drive that we have between us or in the swim team's Google Drive. Like, it was amazing. I felt very supported, um, but I didn't know, cause like, like you all said, there's not, like you said, Dr. Howard, there's people, people are nice, but there's not the enthusiasm about social justice and like these conversations, um, like how I thought there was gonna be. People are so kind, but when you bring up, like if I was in, I remember one time at a swim meet, I got disqualified in the, I disqualified the relay in finals because they said that I fall started. And I had done, how I don't even know how many relays before. I didn't fall start in prelims. I didn't fall start the day before. I didn't fall start the day before that. But all of a sudden it got to finals where the points started actually counting. And um, my relay, the officials, the two old white men came up to me afterwards and they were like, yeah, um, your flyer, they fall started. And I was like, are you sure? And they were like, hmm. yeah. And I walked over to my coaches. I was like, well, did y'all see that? And they were like, well, no, we didn't really see anything. And I went to my teammates. I was like, did y'all see that? And they were like, well, we didn't really see anything. And I was like, ooh, like I was so mad. And I didn't know how to say like, it's because I'm black, but like when I, I was trying to like allude to it, but everybody was just kind of like, yeah, I don't really know why that happened. And I was like, no, like I was just kind of expecting some support because if it was my old team, you all, all like with all the black people that I was swimming with, we would have all been like, yep, that was definitely not okay. Um, they would have taken it up with the officials and this would have gotten solved, but I couldn't even begin to have the conversation because people just weren't. Like, I just didn't know how they were feeling about it. And when I tried to put it out there, no one was, like, filling in the blanks or reciprocating anything. So this past summer, I was really apprehensive about how I was going to talk to these people. But I was like, if I have to do four years of being here every day for multiple, for, like, six hours a day with these people, like, I need to, I'm not trying to be, I'm not about to be teammates with no racist people. Like at the end of the day, I, so I sent a message in the group me that was like really long. And I was like, listen, at the end of the day, this isn't about politics, it's literally about human rights. And if you're not supporting this, you don't respect me as a person and you don't value my life. And if you don't, I don't wanna be teammates with anybody who feels that way. And I said like, this is really a lot right now, but you all are literally the only white people that I am willing to spoon feed information to. Like, I don't care if we're on the like all lives matter train, I will sit and have a conversation with you and I will spell it out for you because I am not going to be 
around people every day who do not value my life. I'm not, or else like I'm leaving this too. And the response that I got at first, they were like, oh, Layla, like, thank you so much for talking. But I kind of said that like, this has been really hard for me. And then I kind of said, but ask me whatever you want. So they still didn't really want to ask me anything. Um, so I said again, I was like, I understand, like, literally, please ask me whatever you want to ask me. And I'm willing to sit down and have this conversation with you. You all are the only people right now that I will sit and spoon feed everything to if need be. And I got a lot of questions. People were asking me, like, of course, most of the times I turned them to someone smarter than me. I turned them, like, I pointed them to resources. I didn't sit and spell everything out for them because there are so many people smarter than me who say these things much better than I could. Um, but I was so, but I was willing to like point them in the directions that they needed to go to start educating themselves. But I will say that I was, it was just really, really hard to do. And I like spent like 20 minutes, like reading over the message, trying to see like if I said anything wrong. And I was so nervous once I said it, I was like about to cry. Um, but everybody was like pretty responsive to it. It was just that there was never even the enthusiasm, even over the training trip, I had a conversation with a couple of girls about how I had just felt like really uncomfortable um not that they were not that they were bad people just that like i just didn't feel i just genuinely wasn't comfortable and then i just even the response that i got from that just wasn't as enthusiastic as i thought it was going to be so um even when i did try to reach out to them i will say it was from a definitely from a level of uncertainty it wasn't like i automatically know all these people are going to have my back it was, I literally don't know what y'all are doing at home. I don't know if you all are having these conversations at home. I don't know if, if I don't say anything, you all are going to go and take this up upon yourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, but I need you to. At the end of the day, I need you to take it upon yourself. So I had to say something. And I mean, of course, like I wish I didn't have to, but I was like, I'm just not going. I mean, we didn't have a Zoom call like you all did, Corey, where like we sat and even signed a piece of paper. Like we didn't even do that. There wasn't really even... A conversation i got individual texts from people like layla i'm so sorry like what can we do to help and like all this stuff um those are nice but, yeah but like at the end of the day i was like i don't know like you all have not shown to me that you all would take this upon yourselves if i didn't go and say something so i had to say something at the end of the day and i think i think that's really like a central point to this whole this whole podcast why the reason that we're here because I think that, especially as college students and especially as people on a predominantly white institution and in a country that is predominantly white or at least not predominantly black. And yeah. I think it's, I, I keep going back because I remember this tweet <laughs> that I saw where um, it was a black student, she was in graduate school. Like we said, it, it was a bunch of stuff, people reaching out, what can we do over the summer within her institution? And she said that her father said, when are they going to allow you to be a normal student like the white students and not have to be a normal student and a diversity and inclusion coordinator or, director <laughs> or right. um, make a curriculum for free? Right. Like, and that's like, that's because that's something I struggle with, too, because I. I you're as in this, <laughs> Like, you're doing uh, so much. It's, uh, yeah. So it's like. See, this is back to what Dr. Howard said. Like, I'm in, I'm the co-chair for the Racial Justice Committee. And there was a lot of tension around that within our community because it's like, oh, this is about to get lost in the bureaucracy of the university. It's about to be lost in signing petitions and saying, we're going to make this policy. And that's <laughs> another thing where it's like, even if you do make that policy, are you going to do it right? Are you going to implement it right in a way that will actually impact 
our lives and make change in a positive way. And so it's, it's, it's a conflict that I have to this day and it, it stresses me out. It really does because it's like all of these new things are starting. And then like, since I'm from Cleveland, I've also like, I um, put on a protest in my um, city university Heights in the summer. I congratulations on your article. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but like on top of that, like I joined um, the citizens committee about police, um, um, use of force in that city, which was a citizens committee outside of the university. And I'm on a committee in, within the university about the same thing. And I've started a, um, a youth council about the same thing within my city. And all of these things where it's like, I, I really, I like, I personally don't think I, I study this kind of stuff. So I feel like I know quite a bit about it. But like, I'm not an expert. And so all of these things, it's very difficult because it's like, well, this is my life. And like with you, Layla, because like we are part of the class that like scooped you in and we're like, hey, we're here. <laughs> and it's like, I, I feel that personal connection for all of the um, classes after me. And even though I'm graduating this year, I'm still like afraid. I'm like, please have the students like us junior seniors and even sophomores get the freshmen like that is like for the first, like all throughout the summer and um, like in the beginning of the year and throughout the year, really, like um, a lot of the black organizations, our main goal is to like take care of the freshmen, make this school fun for the freshmen and have them understand that we're here. Um, we're not at an HBCU, but we can party like we had an HBCU. Not right now though, because of COVID. But <laughs> we, we, we wanna have fun and take care of each other and have a space to do that and so like I, I'm really excited about the committee that I'm on I think we're going to do some good work but it's still TBD for me like I'm like I'm doing all this work I really hope it works out but I, I still I still have that fear that it's going to get lost and lost in the sauce really like yeah. once our proposals are out we're planning on doing some reviews with the student body and I, I want to see some substantial change come from that and I want to be able to report to the student body, like, even though we haven't been able to, like, completely change the culture, because, like we said, this is systemic. This is something that is going to take time for it to feel natural, to come as a natural change. And so I'm still worried, but, like, I want to be able to report, like, this is what we're doing. Like, I don't want them to feel like we're not doing anything, but I'm still, I still, as a student, and seeing like the We Belong Here movement, which was like maybe a year or two before I got here, talking about the same things and like we're mm. at the exact same point six years later. And so yeah. it, it's really exhausting and conflicting because I don't wanna have to be on the forefront, but I also feel like if I don't, who's gonna represent us the yeah. right way? Because that's the thing, like, you shouldn't have to spread yourself this thin. Like you really shouldn't, I watch you. And it's like Aaliyah does so, so, like you're in everything. Everything where there's black people, like there's Aaliyah. And I will say you have <laughs> such a great job. Like you're definitely well, scooping up you. the freshmen. Like we feel loved and supported. I will say that. Um, like we came and it was so big and so lost and you all definitely just scooped us up and made us feel right at home. But I will say at the end of the day, like you shouldn't have to spread yourself out this thing. Like it and really shouldn't be necessary. The wellness conflict that I think all of us had as black students and black faculty at a PWI. Where it's like, we just kind of want to go and do our homework or do our right. jobs or whatever. And, but it's like, but my people, my people need help here. We need help. <laughs> and so we get 
caught up in all this stuff and I really appreciate the opportunity to do it, but we, we, we have to, this has, I really need this to be something productive or else this is going to just be the same exhaustion that's going on over and over. And as black students at a PWI, like, I feel like it's generally harder. Like, at least for me, coming from a school, like, especially freshman year, ugh, I thought I was, one, I thought I was going to be a dentist. That didn't last very long. And then I was like, maybe I'll be pre-med because everyone here is pre-med. And right. so I tried that for a little while and I hadn't taken chemistry since my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I took Chem 105 and man, it was, I just, I like, it's, it's really that imposter syndrome. I'm like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what I'm doing and all of these things like that. Even though I got into this university, they pay me a lot to go here, which I am very grateful for. And it's still just like, man, it's like all these students that go to like all these white students and all these Asian students that go to these better schools, learn this information better than I did. Like we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the access, or I don't know, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. And it, it, takes, it takes time to implement policy and changes and bring people that actually know how to deal with that because we need more black representation in all aspects counseling faculty administration all of that because i i didn't understand and so i was so grateful for the esp program it helped me get through that but not everyone was in esp like in my class it was only 12 people out of what it's like 200 overall throughout the um the four undergraduate classes black people and so it's just it's it's exhausting and i really really hope that we can move forward and do better but i also don't think we should have we should have to be put in this position every year like every single student every year is like kind of in the same space of i need to do this but i just want to be a student but i need to do this so, yeah. So, folks, one of the things I'm going to say to you is that you all nevertheless have and are and continue to step up, okay? When I hear the story about how you had to engage in a proxy, what I call proxy as if conversations, as if we're actually dealing with this, we're going to talk about it, okay? Um, you all with this podcast, students are out here. I mean, think of it. Would Black Lives Matter have spread around the world after yet another set of murders of Black people by by policemen, okay, Um, if students hadn't been at it for quite some time on the days when people weren't looking and the days when they were doing what it is that you're doing. So please just hear that even with those tensions and those dilemmas, and yes, that drain down, you're still doing it, okay? Thing number two, you're in an incredible historical moment, reckoning moment. You know, historians who study this thing and study it accurately are understanding this might be the third reckoning around rapes and these kind of things in this, in this country. Not might be, it is, okay? Um, you're in a position where you're having these podcasts and telling actually, in this podcast, authentic stories, right? Um, 
that is extraordinarily important because one of the things we've got to do is not tell the as if story. So here's how we're asking you, will you consider these things, sign off on these things, and then go back system and feel good that you handle it in this moment. That's not what you all are doing and that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about bringing your true experiences. We are doing this and are tired of having to, right? Yeah. We've been watching this happen in our own shelf life here at Case over several terms and generations of, of, of people coming and going within Case. And they do it, uh, people who are now graduated for two, three years were doing it and are going and now we're here doing it, the same stuff. Back, you just said that, okay? Th those narratives, those stories need to come out unequivocally. I was in a situation where I was accused of having a, or, or rated as having a false start in SWIM. And I can't even say, I got a question about this, folks. Right. You're mediating how you're going to say it because you full well know it's a proxy right. conversation. It's an av if conversation. Let's make it a real conversation. You said it here. That's a story people need to hear, right? The invitation that Aaliyah's putting out to us on this race, go out and gather the stories and put them in there with the full, when, you know, as a, as a, a faculty person, I'm sitting on the first time I met her in the context of co she's co-leading this committee. And I'm looking at the stuff they'd already done, the students at Case. Okay, I'm like, there's nothing else to be said here. There is literally in this document one of the most astute analyses of what needs to be addressed, really powerful, clear statements about how they could be enjoined to make change happen. And what I was thinking was, let's continue it and have at it, not as a petitioner's kind of thing here, what are you guys going to do about this, but with your actual clarity and voices and experience putting it out there and requiring the system to have to the system being people who are in power positions where the power is maybe not yet moving in a direction where we're deeply wrestling with what we've got to change lose grow give up all of us are going to have to change for these things to happen but you all are in a moment where you're saying that right say it with the concern that it's been said before Make that point. Say it clear. Don't equivocate. What we know about change is that the real narrative and stories is actually what reaches people. Mm. Even if they're not looking like they're hearing it in the moment, not being able to shut down and take away the, or brunt the clarity of what you know and are experiencing. But what do you think? I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think it was just, I don't know, it's just hard because you don't know how people are going to react. Um, I mean, I could run, a, that's the biggest thing. Like, I, I wanted to run out there and be like, y'all, this is racist. But then everyone, <clears throat> I'm the only black person on this entire pool deck in this entire swim meets. I'm the only black woman on this entire pool deck, except I think there were like a couple timers who I was super happy to see and they were super happy to see me. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh, there's a black girl go call everything racist again when stuff don't go her way. Um, so it's like, I just didn't want to. No, no, no. I, I was saying that to suggest you should have done it differently. Please. So, oh, so, yeah, so, yeah. You know, I'm saying we need to ask ourselves, given that story and that right. very definite reality, power is in the mix here, right? right. 
repercussions are in the mix. Those things are real. You're talking about the personal and embodied repercussions of just being tired and spread too thin and all that. There are other repercussions that are coming as well. That's why we've got to come together. You've got to have that to be able, you said when we, I, I had more people who were in the experience or understood my experience, I could have said more. That's structural, right. okay? But well, what yeah. I guess I'm saying is having that statement be shared as you're bravely doing it now is an experience now we're accountable to all of us, right? In a different way. What, what, and we've got to ask people to be accountable to that experience. Secondly, how can we strategically begin to figure out how to do it in that situation? You know, I'm not going to say more right now because I'm not quite sure if it's safe, but here are mm -hmm. some questions I have in my head about what just happened. Could it be because I'm black? Right. You know, asking a question, right, or posing it in a different way is kind of some strategies, and there are many, many, many that we can begin to come together to think about so that we throw the thing out there in a way that challenges the, the experience to be looked at for real, right? And asks the question and wonders at to what extent have I been treated unfairly here? Mm -hmm. You were in a rights to ask that question. Now it's not a finger pointing thing, but a process question. Right. Mm. Right. Right. And nobody can say that, it, it, and they, some will. Don't get me wrong. We know that because it's about, you know, <laughs> step, that's why you find your kindred spirits and people to support. Uh, but you ask the question, is this something that we need to look at? And then hold the system and continue to hold the system responsible who are, and the system ends up being people, actually. That's right. why we have identities need to be changed. One of the things I'm teaching this week in my leadership class, what they call adaptive leadership, there are no easy answers to these things, right? Mm. And you gotta pick your battles, right? But one of the things that they talk about in that theory of adaptive leadership is that a system problem that's always there is that nobody is, the system fixes it so you can't speak up. You can't say it honestly. You can't say it directly. And everybody can dodge that responsibility to really grapple with things. That is a thing you did not invent. That's just the nature of institutions. We're sitting at a choice point. It's a reckoning. We need to hear these stories and, 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 and build out of the fact that this is what's happening. It repeats itself and in, it's in, in, in happening. And I'm asking the question, can we kind of look at this differently with not an as-if conversation about it, but really grapple with what that means for each and every one of us. Move beyond allyship to really understanding we got to figure this out as human beings and we're each responsible to do it. What do you think you say to them? Some kind of way. Mm. But we most importantly, as people of color, need to be doing that and also protecting our confidence, coming together, and it can be whatever the critical mass number is, a couple of small groups of people, the fact that, you know, the upper class people under the leadership of people like Aaliyah are rolling back to take care of those first years. Yeah, that's what you do first. You see, I, I have a point about that because that's one thing that I've had complicated conversations about over my time here is like um especially when when i was in bsu and then when i was president of bsu is we were trying to understand like um how how can we best actively be a safe space 
for our Black students, but at the same time, showcase our culture and history right. in a way that it could be appreciated. And so, like, I think about that a lot, where it's like, people have arguments with, like, well, why is there a Black graduation? And well, why do you want to have, like, a, a Black space in the um, new, um, like, the new OMA building that should be coming mm -hmm. within the next few years? Like, why do you need to have a specifically Black space? Or um, um, then people are on the other side of it, where it's like, they're really nice, where it's like, oh, I don't know if I'll go, because, you know, I'm, they won't say it, but it's like, I'm not Black. Right. And I feel like I might be intruding on your space. Yeah. And so like, that's like a complicated balance where it's like, we want to make sure that we have these things to celebrate ourselves and our accomplishments and um, to push and support and protect each other. But at the same time, it comes where it's like, people feel isolated from us. And that's mm -hmm. not what we want. And that further goes to isolate ourselves. Why so many people were so surprised that all of this stuff was happening over the summer and we're like, oh my God, I didn't know. How can I, how can I help and things like that? So I, I kind of want to hear what you all have to say about that in particular, like how, how do we strike that balance? That's um, a tough one. I'm trying to figure out how to balance being, having a place for everyone that looks like us without telling people they come come into that space. Right. Um, they want to pull the re reverse racism. Right. <laughs> like a U-Mish, where it's the non-POC <laughs> space. The whites only cafe. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, historically speaking, there has been a lot of whites only cafes. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really think that, you know, re reinventing, they're reinventing the wheel there. I mean, I think us, you know, making a black only cafe um, is a good opportunity for us to connect and everything. But at the end of the day, it's not really harming anyone because we don't have, you know, the power in the, in the system to really influence uh, any type of derogatory change you know, on other cultures and everything. That's what I feel like, you know, the whole reverse r racism is based upon how much power you have based on your race. Like, if you have no, you know, no power within your race over others, then, you know, you can't really enact anything or put any pressure on anyone. It's all the pressure they're feeling is just coming from themselves, maybe possibly from guilt, in my opinion. <laughs> so, I, that's just how I see it. Um, I mean, there's really no perfect answer like I mean I, I'm going to treat everybody just as good as I would if they were black or they're white you know like that, that shouldn't change anything but I also understand that like my black brothers and sisters have a certain place in my heart that I need to make sure that like they understand that like I'm here for them right and I'm not trying to like hold anybody above anyone it's just like that's just how it is because if, if we don't then we it didn't it's not going to work for a lot of us. <laughs> We're going to be in positions to to fall through the cracks, you know, because there's so many kids, especially from like Louisiana that I grew up with and going to predominantly black schools that I was like, dang, this kid is just as talented as I am. And they just didn't get the, the, the same opportunities because they didn't know the, the right people or the right white people in order to get to the next place. And like that, it, I feel like I need to make sure that, you know, they at least know me that like, okay, like I can get you in contact with the right people to, to figure out how you can get to the next step as a, as an individual. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a tough situation in general. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I don't know the answer to your question, Aaliyah. I will say I love having our, our spaces. I absolutely love having our spaces. Um, and I am not gonna lie, I am a little apprehensive to other people in those spaces just because we don't have any spaces. Um, Y'all have this entire campus, you have the entire world, and I don't, I have my dorm room with my black roommate, and I've got OMA, which still, and I've got BSU meetings. Um, I don't know how you strike that balance. I don't. Yeah, I think, I think one thing that I want the people listening to understand is poli-sci major coming out of me. Um, one of my classes, we talked about how there's like, this um, sense of multiple traditions within like American culture. And so whenever the party switched, it was like, there's a whole bunch of Republican policy, but like, we can't get rid of that. So we're gonna just throw some democratic policy on top of it. And it'll be contradicting and complicated and complex and not really make any sense, which is kind of, I think why we're in the situation we're in now. And I think like um, over our history, um, black people have been viewed as like a conglomerate. We have been grouped together, even though there's a variety of different people, because I'm sure there are some students that are black on this campus that might not agree with anything that I say, or that would any one of us individuals say about the campus. And that's one thing I want to make sure people know too, is that we're talking about our personal experiences. We do not represent the entire black population on campus, but we are trying to um, parse it out within our positions of power and our um, different places on this campus as athletes, uh, faculty, students, STEM majors, social science majors, things like that. But where I was going with that is that we have been, as a conglomerate, excluded in so many places. And that has made our lives harder. Like, what I just want to ask, like, what do you think the reason is that, like, um, there's only 5% black people on this campus and Cleveland is predominantly black. Like there, there's, there's no reason to that other than systemic racism. Right. And it might not be intentional, but it's something that was set up in the past that we have not uh, adequately addressed today where it could be broken and that our population could be more represented on this campus. And so we know that, like we see it. And we see how hard our people have had it in this country. And I think one of the topics we like could kind of touch on on here too is the fact that um, the, most of the black people that I see on campus that aren't students are um, workers. workers. Mm. People, the people clean up my trash. that clean up the trash, that are cleaning up the bathroom, that are going and serving us food every day. Right. And, that's just all they're for. And I know most of the students don't know their names. Like I, I like they don't wear name tags for the most part. And I try to make it a point to like ask, what is your name? Right. And say, I'm grateful for you and I appreciate you. And especially as black students, they're so sweet. Like right. they, they're just happy to see some black students and black people yeah. being successful at this institution because it's hard as a black yeah. person. Like it, this is a hard institution for anybody, but without the adequate resources to get through it. Like I've seen a ton of people not complete this institution or institutions like it. Mm -hmm. So that's something yeah. that I just want everyone to know is like, we, we need to be able to like extra hype each other. We need to be able to have a space where we can 
specifically support each other because otherwise, like Corey said, we fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that's really important. To that point, Aaliyah, I will say that was one of the biggest things that contributed to my culture shock because when I came here and I did see black people, they were serving me food. They were cleaning up my trash. They were sleeping the floors. They were the janitors and they were, but there was no one who was teaching me. I had, I did, was lucky. I did. My navigator is black. I was so happy about that. She's a black woman. She was great. She even took me and my friends to church, um, to her church on Sundays. Um, but like, it was just, I came from this area where like everybody here is black and like everyone here is doctors and black lawyers and I was in Jack and Jill which honestly being in Jack and Jill in Prince George's County Maryland where everyone is already black wasn't really a lot Jack and Jill is really for black kids who live in predominantly white areas and I don't live in a predominantly white area so it was kind of just like a place to see my friends that I already saw around all the time but either way just like the black people that I saw were not like that so I came here and then the only places that I saw black people were in were in um janitorial positions and it was just such a such a mind twister I was just so it was it was just really it really threw me it really threw me off to be in such a black space but the only places that I see us were in those types of positions um but what I did kind of want the people who are listening to understand is that like with us being four percent um or five percent as I think my class brought it up a percent um it just made it it was like I came here for like such a regular college experience and I think one of the first people who made me feel welcome was money Munya um he graduated out last year but he was the first person to come up and talk to us and the first thing that I asked him I was like money give me all the tea like what is dating life like what is the party life like and he was like okay to be honest with it being so so few black people we can't really do a lot of that we can't really do a lot of this like I was expecting such a regular college experience but like even the smallest things like it's really the little things like you want to date somebody but they've already dated somebody else and then that person's already dated somebody else because there's just so few of us um Mm. and things start getting really messy really fast like we can't even date regularly and then if i want to date somebody outside the race the things people say about black women on this campus about us not being attractive about like people just not wanting me people not (laughs) and i was like but i'm so cute like what are y'all talking about Really- <laughs> <laughs> and you can look more on that on um the what is it black at crew page if you want to hear more stories about yes. that like it's the little things it's the little it's really the little things like i where you just come in you just expect to be a regular college student and just the smallest things just don't work the way that you think they would like i'm sitting here i'm like i'm ready to mingle and everyone's like uh you see the color <laughs> of her skin not my type um or like we would go to parties and it's me and my friends you know we've we've been doing our makeup we've been listening to music we're super excited to go out we walk up to this house it's oh sorry we're not letting people in right now but then a group of white girls behind us gets inside so it's like it's really like the smallest things just about college in general like i'm sitting here at case western trying to enjoy my college experience and like because there are just so few of us and there's just such a limit to the things that we can do and the things that we can enjoy. And like, I think the thing I was talking to Dave before he started this podcast is what, or asked the BSU as well, what they wanted to say on this podcast. And they were like, we just want them to know that like the black experience at Case is not made by Case Western. It is made by us. We completely have to, we have to make it from scratch because there's nothing really for us like to do. Like once probably I think fall ended, 
me and my friends were like, where can we go? Like, what can we do? Like, no one's having parties anymore. We would get into like the divine nine fraternities and sororities. Like I was talking to my mom about pledging just to meet some more black people, just so that I could like have a party to go to on the weekends or like have somebody that would be romantically interested in me. Um, like it was just, it's really, it's really the little things about college that everyone else just takes for granted that we just have such a hard time having to navigate because there are so few of us and because people be racist. <laughs> and additively, those are not small things. Those are everything. That's all your life yeah. inside the classroom. You're right. You come to balance and when you talk about wellness, it's holism. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. You gotta have those things. <sighs> Big deal. <laughs> it is. It's what makes college fun. They say it's the best four years of your life. <laughs> and I got here and I was like, well, of course it's fun. You know, I have the independence. My parents aren't around. No one's telling me what to do. But it's just like the things that everyone else gets to enjoy, I did not really get to enjoy. Um, I know like even the swim team would have parties and I have just never been the only person in a room full of intoxicated white people. And I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to say anything. I don't know if anyone's, everyone is really nice. It was just me just like generally just being comfortable. So I'll come in, say my highs and buys, and then spend the rest of the night with my, with my friends. Like I just couldn't even feel comfortable in a space where everyone else is having a good time. I was just like, this is just not my, it's just not my scene. Even when there, even when there is a scene, it's still not my scene. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it, it's it's just how I came in with a different type of feeling about this whole thing because, like, I've always been told that, like, Corey, you can't do this because of how you look. Like, my mom was like, "Hey, Corey, like, I know you want to go out and hang out with your friends in high school and you know do crazy stuff around you know the college campus in your hometown or whatever, but you can't because you're black." <laughs> And I, I kind of carried that into college and it was like, yeah, I can't, I can't go out and, and drink and, and do all these crazy things that a lot of my friends are doing that don't look like me because I look the way I look and I can be perceived a certain way. Like, it's all about like, for me, I felt like I had to uphold this, this image that like, okay, like I am the perfect black person <laughs> because like, if I don't, they're going to have, like, there's an opportunity for people to have a confirmation bias and be like, okay, like, they're all just the same or, like, they yeah, all this. And I'm like, well, like, no, like, I, what if I actually do want to just, you know, have fun? Have know? a good time. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, no one told me that. Like, I didn't have those conversations because where I live, like, there's not that many white people. Um, There's some, but, you know, like, they're all cool. Um, and even when I was in high school, it was still in DC. So like it was white people, but it was pretty much like liberal white kids. Um, even that was still a lot for me. And then moving from that to here. But like no one ever told me that like I couldn't do things because I was black. So I walk into every single room expecting the same level of respect, expecting to be treated the same way as everybody else. And just being so upset when I'm not because no one ever was like, Lily, you're gonna have to work twice as hard to do like have to get half of what white people have because all the black people that I know around here are just doing the dang thing um so i mean like i don't know if i'm glad or upset that my parents didn't have that conversation with me but at the end of the day i think i'm a little happy because i walk into rooms kind of commanding respect like demanding to be treated the same exact way as everybody not is is and i'm going to be very upset and you're going to know that i'm very upset if i'm not if i can't do the same things 
Not other people aren't. When you tell me I can't come to your party, I'm not just going to be like, okay, I guess we're leaving. I'll be like, well, why can't I get in? Like, why can't I have a good time? Why are you not interested in me? Why can't I come here? Why can't I do these things? Um, but I will say it just makes the feeling of when I'm not allowed to do those things like 10 times worse because I wasn't, I didn't have the experience of not being able to be crazy or have fun until I got here. Um, when I like literally could not really have as much fun as I would have liked to. So I will say I was very upset because I didn't, I didn't think I couldn't do these things. <laughs> I, was, I was looking forward to doing these things. Um, but I, I think that goes to show where it's like, one, one, another thing we want people to take from this is like, don't look at us as like a conglomerate and don't, don't judge us that way. Because that's one thing I, I personally have experience with too, is like, I, I feel like I'm kind of awkward in general, but, um, I feel like I'm even more awkward around non-Black people because yeah. like I, I struggle, I struggle to relate. Like I'm really empathetic and things like that. And so like, I, I get really anxious about like, Ooh, can I relate to this person? Things like that. Yeah. And like, I, I get in my head and it's like, I get so much anxiety because with Black people, I've been around Black people my whole life. I know they're yeah. not going to judge my intelligence based on some stupid mess that I said. Right. Like, and like I don't know like if my tone come off as like I'm playing around or I'm being sarcastic or not and so like it really gives me anxiety where it's like man I don't I don't want to like reach out and talk to them and things like that because I'm afraid that if I like just really let go and be myself they're yeah. gonna just be like oh yep typical black girl that's that's how, they are. that's how they act when I'm like completely joking or messing around or if my humor is not the same as theirs and things right. like that. So I think that's one thing is like, we really want to be like, we're, we're normal people. We're right. normal people. We say stupid stuff. College stupid students do stupid things. Like just, just take it on the head and go. Like it's, it's not that big of a deal, but you don't want people to associate so much more that it's not mm -hmm. us because at the end of the day, we are smart, black, beautiful people. We made it to this institution and we are succeeding. And we we are on the same level. Like at the end of the day, we don't have the same degree. <laughs> Case Western Reserve will be at the bottom of our degree. <laughs> this will, we will all be alumni from this institution, no matter where we came from, when we make it through. And so well, yeah. we really want to be treated as like the normal college student, but we're black. Just the last experience that I had on the swim team, I'm so glad that you brought up like the anxiety that you feel because it's like the anxiety that I felt like even trying to have conversations or like talking or I would just watch them do certain things. And I'll be like, oh, if I ever did that, like people on this deck with the, I remember like there was this one time we were doing the set and there's this boy on our team who always complains. And this girl got out of the pool borderline like cussed them out and was like shut up like stop complaining and like the coaches like high-fived her when she was done and I was like boy if that was me that was me it would have been dead radio <laughs> silence like, I would be trying to like joke with them or like relate and say things or like if I would say or like um I think there's like this is like really small but like we we're sitting we're eating dinner and this one girl was like can somebody pass me the garlic sauce like she'd been asking like five times and I was like here's the garlic and like people were laughing and I was like here's the garlic sauce and like all the laughter just stopped <laughs> and I was like I was just matching her energy like I didn't know <laughs> like she was being sassy so I was being sassy but I didn't know that like when I said it everybody would just be like it would be crickets 
Um, so like the anxiety that I just had, like, and I think that's kind of what made the experience like swimming so complicated for me. Like I wanted to enjoy it so bad, but it was like, I'm walking into this thing, doing what I love every single day. But I just have this anxiety about the people that I'm around while I'm doing it. And like the feeling, like I literally, I had nightmares every night from November to February, literally four months straight. If I didn't sleep with music on, I would have like these really, really bad nightmares. I had no idea why. My mom said that it was because like I was extremely like stressed out, I guess with school and everything, like just in general. But I will say like a big res factor, like the anxiety that I was feeling was just like, I felt like I was walking on eggshells around all these people and it was like I just want to be myself but I don't really know exactly how to do that I don't know what I can say I don't know how to be perceived um so I just had a really hard time with that not even like code switching because like I can do that it's just like what can I say or how can I be or can I be myself around you because I don't want you to generalize that um and then go out here and then start treating other people awfully but yeah like when you even said anxiety like that is just how I felt like walking around that campus and interacting with people to the point where it was like okay like if I'm not interacting with people who aren't black unless I don't unless I have to um because like that's the only time where I felt like I could really be myself and do what I needed to and like just yeah just be myself well we are at 305 I just want to make sure because like they said we could keep talking but I don't if anyone has to leave I understand but um I kind of want to talk about like because we have some endpoints where it's like how how we've already touched on this throughout but like what can we do like how can we move forward especially because I think like we're at a point that is so different I feel like a lot of people have said this but I really do like I've as um um BSU president last year I hardly had any interaction with the undergraduate student government, which is like the leading um, institution or group on campus that works with like a lot of the administration and things like that. And they have a lot of connections and resources and things like that. And I didn't, we didn't really have any interactions with them until it came the summer. And yeah. I really appreciate us working with them now because I feel like they've gotten us a lot of resources and the people that I've worked with and met are really really trying to like make change and now we're working directly with um vp stark and vp solomon and like we haven't had that direct connection really ever so i really do feel it's different with like we haven't had that connection without having to like jump through a thousand hoops they were like yeah we want we want to do this we want to do this and we want you to be a part of it and it's like this this feels different so what do you think we can do how can we tackle these issues and how can we also make sure that we are taking care of ourselves in this process because i think this is a wellness podcast that's the most important thing and that is also just the most important thing for us to see on this campus and in life so anyone have any comments about that um i'm not gonna lie um dr howard did bring this up earlier like you all wrote this thing that was like the perfect analysis and breakdown of like what we needed to do and well, to be honest proposal yeah and to be honest my thing is like we shouldn't have to do anything we've done everything we have given you everything we've spelled out everything for you and the fact that you said that like this has been a cycle that has started like before you were even here leah like when you were a freshman and you saw the upperclassmen trying to do like 
what they were doing like we have done we have given you everything <laughs> we have put i feel like we just put all our cards on the table like we spelled it out for you and the only course of the only thing to do is like take a course of action admit more black students um give us spaces like what more do we need to i don't like i don't know i feel like we've done of course there's things that like personal responsibility like dr Har like dr howard mentioned like we have our own responsibility to step up but at the end of the day we're students and we spelled out everything to you all we've told you everything we've started pages we've started instagram pages we've had protests we've given you bullet points of what to do we've had meetings we've had day of dialogues like i don't know what more you want mm -hmm. <sighs> One thing right. to post. Go ahead. No, you go. No, it's. Uh, I was about to say it's just like it is. Like I've said this before. It's extremely hard to to give someone a plan of action when you're trying to figure out your own actions, right? Right. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't have to deal things like like Layla said. But then there's a part of us that like we feel like we have that responsibility, right? We have the responsibility of our culture on our shoulders. And because of that, we find ourselves continually trying to, to find something to do. And, you know, all those things are not always the best answers, but like the actual actions of us wanting to do better and trying to do better is all we can do. I don't really have like a, a definite thing, uh, but I think all of these small collective actions add up to something that potentially put case in you know the world around us in a better place in terms of ex being accepting um i mean it's a slow process i mean it's expected to be slow because like it's it's easy it's 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 easy to change yourself but it's it's really hard to change those around you because it's just so many different ideals and and different types of people so i mean i understand that i understand that this is all going to be slow but you know having some type of um optimism and in in your actions helps a little bit and continue to to do every little thing so like whether it's you know maybe not black slaying everything but just a little drop here and here here and there uh on some important subjects when they come up um helps out in the long run and maybe you can change one person and then one person can change the next person so after howard so i totally you you went where i was going ahead which is change is a slow incremental process right the thing that you're at right now is a tipping point that's one way people talk about something's opened up right now and coming back and sort of giving yet again what it is you're giving by way of here's what you can do here's what we see here's the data of the experiences here's what what um because you have collected that and you are leading and you are contributing that extraordinarily important information to this conversation. And then you say, we're doing this with these concerns. We've got to spend time taking care of ourselves. We know power is in the mix and that the fact that you have this information available is not the same thing as deciding to act on it. And putting out their statements of the sort that you're literally saying right now we've done what we can we're students now we understand that this is a complex system a complex process and a complex society but you've got the opportunity to make some different decisions and do it differently and so what we are concerned about is this this and this might not happen if it goes the way it's been going in the past 
because periodically people bring their experiences forward and do this kind of analysis, make these kind of suggestions. And, you know, uh, there is a weariness with which we do it. At the same time, we're hopeful that in this moment, it might be different because people choose to take a different response. I was looking around for a book that's written by a, a, a way back in the day by a white uh, professor who studies racism in university settings. His name is Joe Fagan. And he's got this little book which has all the stories of undergraduates and graduate students breaking it down and literally the stories that you all are sharing and talking about, about the emotional toll. You know what I mean? About the toll on your performance, because again, I, I call it spreading too thin, but it's the way you were talking about it. Point here being that you can say, this is not the first time. And where this is now is we're giving you this information with the expectation that it's going to be accountably listened to, responded to, and acted upon. But there's no guarantee of that. You kind of start saying those kind of things too. So you're really using not just voice, but you're now in there leading and being decisional and saying, here are the, here are the things that are good about this moment of reckoning and, and what we're doing this year. Here are the concerns that we have. You are saying them very clearly. We're concerned that it will be lip service. We're concerned it'll just be yet another sort of episode where we cycle through when things blow up and we come back and do this ritualistic committeeing, right? And then everybody gets the reports. What was happening when the riots happened years and years and years ago? And they did an extraordinarily brilliant report. My husband participated in that on what was behind the riots, why it happened, what should be done, how things could change, where the sectors are, kind of like what you all did with this report as students. And then the report got filed and the people went on about their business, right? So we see that happening. You know that is a concern. Say it, right? And hold people now accountable to that. And also pick the battle of taking care of yourselves and not feeling like you are going to buy yourselves any one or several of you save the society from itself. <laughs> it's got to ante up. And at the end of the day, when you say all that you got to say, share all that you have shared, require them now to step up and say you're watching. Every time you, you speak, it, it's just a beautiful speech that I am so grateful to have just listened to. But, um, <laughs> Back at you. You all are beautiful. You're, you're doing the same thing. We're doing this together. And you do need more people. We do. Who are going to have to step forward and step out, myself included. Tell me what I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. and I really mean that. And it's not going to be easy for any of us because we've got a a lot of difficult problems in this society. Exactly. Yeah. But I think, I think to all of that, I 100% what everyone has said so far, um, make sure, feel free definitely to reach out to us and to reach out to your black friends. But before you do that, make sure you're doing it with care make sure you're doing it with intention don't just be like sorry oh my god um what what can i do i didn't know this was happening like that in and of itself doesn't help our situation at all and it makes us feel even more isolated because this is for especially this could be just me but i feel like i talk about this all the time 
Right. We talk about this all the time because this is our lives. And so if you want to learn more, make sure you first try to educate yourself on what you don't understand and then reach out to us and we, because I, one thing is too, like, I love talking about this stuff. It hurts my heart, but I love talking about it because I feel like I learned something every time I talk with new and different people and I love understanding different perspectives. So reach out and talk to us, but do it with intention. Don't just say, oh, what can I do? And um, to all the Black students, we are here for you. We love you. You're doing great, sweetie. Like, <laughs> we, we just want you to understand that like this, this isn't just your burden and you aren't alone. We're all here. We're all going through the same thing. Make sure you find your space, whatever and wherever it is, that makes you feel like you're 100% authentic self. And I think that's it. I think we can, um, in that here, we do have, um, if anyone has like events or things coming up right now, you can plug them because we're all about that. Anybody got anything? Um, the BSU has state zone training on Sunday, November 7th or 8th, I believe. Do you remember if it's 7th or 8th, Aaliyah? I think it's the eighth. Yeah, but um, safe, safe zone training is just really important because you'll leave certified um, in creating an inclusive environment for the LGBT community. And we do want all of our events to be inclusive as they can. So if, if as many people come out and get us certified as possible, we would definitely love that. It's a two hour training, but um, it's really interesting. And you do leave with like a formal certification that last, I believe, an academic year or two academic years. Um, but yeah, you all should definitely come out. Just in general, um, you can reach out to any of us about some of these events. Um, if you wanna follow us on Instagram at BSU Crew, you can, and all of our updates and events will be streamed through there. And I just wanna say thank you guys for giving us this platform. Thank you guys all for coming and speaking and sharing your experiences. Oh, I love these conversations. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. Thanks right. for having us. Thank you. Thanks everybody, thank you. yes. And thank you guys for your leadership. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Howard, thank you. And continuing to fight and support with us. <laughs> Absolutely.